0: Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio, Adam Lester-Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com. Joined by the incomparable William Gardner, and it is the regular signing period, uh, but the regular part of that almost needs to be put in quotations now, William, because uh, most of the action takes place during the early signing period, uh, and the whole recruiting timeline has gotten so accelerated that you throw on top of it that Colorado is going more quality over quantity with high school recruiting. It just, there's not going to be a whole lot of fireworks and it does sound like Colorado is going to get one more high school addition for the regular signing period, but it's different than it used to be when this was the day for college football yeah. recruiting.
1: Yeah. I don't know about that. Incomparable. Like can't, can't be compared to anything that makes any sense probably. <laughs> but uh uh yeah, I don't know. You know, some of us are old enough to remember. I don't know how long has it been since we
0: since it was only on um, uh, February. I'm guessing we've had about four or five early signing periods now. Wow, boy, sure
1: seems longer than that. I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe just, yeah, us, us old timers had to think back, but I guess I guess you don't have to be much of an old timer to remember that. But uh, <clears throat> it used to be that you just wait wait all year for Wednesday, that first Wednesday in February, and the build up and Uh, always all the surprise. Now There's no surprises anymore. It's like it's all done on social media and you kind of know what's coming, but you used to wait for Wednesday and wait to see what happened and who'd you lose and who'd you pick up and all that kind of stuff.
0: And so was it like the newspapers covering it? How did you follow along with signing day back before the internet really took off?
1: Well, I mean, you had to wait till Thursday, you know, you had to wait till Thursday with there was, I think for a while, there was one radio show. I can't remember who that guy was. And he kind of talked about it a little bit. And then uh, otherwise, you had to wait for the paper to come out on Thursday to see who what everybody had, you know. And so then it was always like uh, a lot more surprises than because guys were not as much covered and you're trying to figure out what, uh, 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 what you could find out about guys.
0: Today's episode is brought to us by Macaulay Capital Fractional CFO Services. If you are running a successful small to medium sized business, you have an impressive set of skills, but as your company grows, you face new and different challenges. When you eclipse $3 million in revenue, you likely have a whole new set of financial challenges. Are you looking for financial guidance and support, but don't have the resources to hire a full-time CFO? Well, we have the solution for you, hiring a fractional CFO from Macaulay Capital. A fractional CFO can work with businesses on a part-time basis, providing the same expertise as a full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost. You get the benefit of having a seasoned financial expert on your team without the commitment or expense of a full-time hire. We love to help your business thrive by improving its profitability and eliminating your financial headaches. Get a long-term partner you can trust to help craft your financial strategy, understand the profitability of each client, help manage your cash smartly so you can take advantage of rising interest rates and more it's likely that a partnership with Macaulay Capital will be a win-win situation, meaning that your business will make more money from the guidance of a fractional CFO than the total cost of partnering with Macaulay Capital. For more information or to set up a meeting, visit macaulaycapital.com or email cfo at macaulaycapital.com. That's m-c-c-a-u-l-e-y-capital.com. As we sit here and record this Colorado Rank's 22nd overall with their 2024 class that includes the transfers that they brought in as well. And this is number one among future big 12 programs. Do you feel good about what Colorado's done in terms of the overall talent they've brought into this program, both from competing in 2024, but also uh, kind of building for the future?
1: Yeah, I think definitely, I think they've brought in a lot of talent, you know, kind of across the age ranges and, and, you know, I mean, at any more, you got to, as prime said that class he was at uh this week you know you gotta you gotta you gotta win now because you can't wait two years you would be gone in two years if you don't get it done and then if you have success this year that builds next year's class and it just sort of repeats itself after a while but uh what they've done i think is fill all the needs that they had well most of the needs that they had the glaring needs and i think the, the only thing that remains really is linebacker but uh you know they they brought in some really. I think the transfer class is, is is significantly better than last year, especially at the top end and and some of the stars and the players on the lines uh, really are, are significantly better. And I think you know we've addressed the offensive line, we've addressed the pass rush, we've addressed the the, the defensive line in the middle. So I don't know. I, I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah, you look at it. Half of their six. Early high school signees were ranked in the top 90 nationally. Obviously, Jordan Seton being the, the headliner in, in that group. Um, it really is a, a quality over quantity approach. And I'm told that going ahead to 2025, you could see that number jump up a little bit. And the number that I've heard is you know somewhere between 12 and 15 guys in that 2025 class. 15 would be on, on the high end of that. They, they might not get to yeah. that are you okay kind of with that approach, especially, I mean, you couldn't do this before because right. you went to the transfers and they'd have to sit out a year. Uh, right. And so you weren't getting immediate help. And, you know, I know I don't think we want to spend a whole lot of time thinking about this until it becomes a reality. Cause it's, it's tough to think about, but you know, Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter uh, are going to be off, you know, yeah. to uh, the NFL after this coming season. And so you're probably going to have to use the, the portal to get in a lot of ready-made guys to kind of fill in some of those gaps. You know, Will Shepard, Le- LeJonte Wester are a couple of receivers. We expect big things out of there. They're going to have some spots you're going to have to fill again through the portal th- this coming year.
1: Yeah, and I think with uh, Shador and, and, and Travis moving on, I think that they'll be able to attract some of those really top guys to fill some of those spots. But, again, uh, Coach Prime talked about it in that class he was at where, you know, you know, you bring in these freshmen, they got to adjust to college. They got to figure out where the weight room is. They got to figure out how to lift. They got to figure out how to work hard, how to go to class, you know. And like he said, let let somebody else deal with it. And I'll bring in a guy that's a sophomore or a junior that already knows how to do all those things and, and is is accustomed to sort of the college level of doing stuff. So, you know, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you, you, you take the high school class and you fill it in, you know, uh, with, with really top level guys who can, who can compete right away. Um, and then mostly, I think most of what you do is, is get your, your transfer guys and fill the needs that you have. So, you know, the old school way, you know, guys that are guys on a board are complaining about there's not enough high school players man, it just ain't how it's done anymore, man. It doesn't make any sense to do it that way.
0: Well, you even run the risk of, if you bring a really talented high school guy in and you're at a place as a program where it's healthy with experienced guys at most positions, those young guys might not want to have to be patient and they might get impatient and they might right. transfer. And so you spend a year or two trying to develop those guys and then they get impatient and then uh, you've got to fill their spot by going to the portal anyway. Right. right. So right. Uh, it, it is a new day and age. And and I think we're all trying to kind of wrap our heads around it. And uh, now, you know, just, you see just yesterday with news of, Labor's maybe being introduced. I mean, it's just it really is not going to probably settle down anytime soon. But uh, let's dive into a big addition that's going to get announced. I mentioned that there's going to be a high school edition expected on Wednesday, and Colorado is also expected to announce the transfer addition of BJ Green from Arizona State. This is uh, allowed to happen because he can sign financial aid agreement with Colorado, which Binds Colorado to him, but not him to Colorado until he enrolls, which is expected to take place. I heard May, uh, I would assume late May is when he's going to get in Boulder because he's finishing up work in mechanical engineering at Arizona State. So uh, not only was he Arizona State's top graded defensive player last fall, he's also a really good student. This is one that's hard not to get excited about. What, what are your overall thoughts about B.J. Green joining the Herd?
1: Well, I got to tell you, I mean that's that's so unusual to have a defensive lineman, and he's he's an engineering student. I mean, you know, the the typical sort of you know feeling is that the offensive linemen are the smart guys, and the defensive linemen are kind of you know the the not so bright guys. But uh, have a guy like B.J. Green, the fact that he, I think, the fact that he's a uh, engineering student uh, really speaks. you know, like some people say, well, you know, he, he, he's not here till he's here, but he's an engineering student. He's coming here as much for the school as for the football. Uh, but what he brings on the football field, um, you know, he he and um, Chidoje Nwankwo are guys that come in and are proven at this level on a defensive front, you know, and there's just no, you know, B.J. Green could, I think I put a post up yesterday where B.J. Green could, very easily be the best out, best edge player in the big 12. Uh, And, and Nwankwo could very easily be the, one of the best inside defensive tackles in the big 12, because he was last year, you know, and green was last year in the Pac 12. So um, the, the, you can't just, you can't overstate what these two guys bring to this team, to this program, because all of a sudden we have top guys on, along that defensive line at two spots, you know, and, uh, man, we haven't had that
0: in a while. Yeah, if you look at the 24-7 sports transfer rankings, Colorado has the number 5, 6, and 7th ranked defense alignment with Lola, Quincy Wiggins, and B.J. Green on board. And yeah. uh, we'll get to this a little bit later, but y- you brought up Wenquo. I mean, he's almost criminally underrated in this class. So you yeah. really have uh, a t- really bolstered th- that front seven needing still, like you said, some linebackers. And you might just have to be a little bit more patient with, with linebackers. I think DJ Lundy, uh going back to Florida State, kind of threw a wrench in what they were hoping to build with that group yeah. this spring. And uh you feel it now and then you get into that spring transfer window and there's a bunch of really talented guys out there. Uh right. you know, maybe you could still make room for them. But I-, I think patience is probably best served in that situation.
1: Yeah, I don't think we want to make take a reach and fill it with somebody that uh, isn't really a top level player. Cause like you said, after spring ball, you know, things kind of solidify at various different places and all of a sudden um, uh, uh, you, you got some really top players coming available and you don't have spots for them. So I, mean, I think, I, I don't know where we are in terms of our numbers, but I'd rather wait and see at this point, you know, for and I'm, and I'm sure they're already talking to people and talking to guys that are looking to transfer and have some ideas. So um I'm comfortable that we'll find a couple of guys at that position that really will be difference makers. And, you know, the other thing is you want to, you get a lot of these guys on campus and you go through spring ball, just like last year. Sometimes they don't, you know, a couple of those guys that we thought were sure things worked, didn't work out last year.
0: I just hope this spring transfer window uh, and it shouldn't because you're in such a different spot as a program this spring than you were a year ago, but that, portal opens up to non-graduates from April 15th through the 30th, and Colorado spring game is going to be on April 27th. So uh, you hope there's not one position that totally gets decimated. It'd be fun if they have enough bodies at at every position to be able to do a true spring game where you kind of split the team up. I think that adds to the entertainment value a little bit, but there, there, there might be a situation, especially if you have some injuries at a certain spot, you have a few guys hit the portal that you know, things could, could thin out a little bit this spring, but how, how would you like to see the recruiting calendar layout? I mentioned that it's changed drastically, whereas yeah. the first Wednesday in February was it. Now you get this early signing period. Uh, I'm curious if you were in charge of the way that this calendar was set up, how would you like to see the signing dates? Would you go back to the way it was or kind of tweak the way it is now?
1: No, I've always liked having the early period, you know, it was like, um, I don't know. I think a lot of guys get, I think this opens up things a lot for, for guys and they don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's, it's so confusing anymore with what's the windows for the, the for the transfers and, and then you got the two days for the high school guys and whatever, but I've always liked the two days, the two different days and the two different times of the year, you know, the, the February days, maybe for guys that, that, that get hot a little bit later and develop and then you fill your needs, see what you still need coming up to that point, it'd be, I, I, I think it'd be nicer to maybe have that, that second day a little later, even, I don't know, let some guys really uh, uh, showcase themselves between the two. And and I don't know, it's hard to say. Uh, I, think well, it's, I think it's, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense in turn. You got to wait for that spring period and kind of see how guys play out, you know, see how your, your new guys from last year develop and what have you before you really know what's going on.
0: I like the early signing period, but I'd kind of go to more of the basketball model. They've got their early signing period in November. Then those guys play their senior season. And then you have um, the regular signing period in the spring. And, if you sign early, and, and an example I'll throw out there is McKinley Wright. He signs with Dayton, and then Miller goes uh, and leaves their staff. And McKinley Wright was allowed to uh, get released from his national letter of intent and re-go through the recruiting process, and yeah. he ends up at Colorado. I, I would like that for college football. And ag- again, you got to you got to allow these guys to get let out of their NLI if. Yeah. Their position coach or their head coach leaves, I think, you know during that, that course of time, which will be quite a few guys. But some of these recruits just want to get it out of the way, and they right. prefer to make it official. Yeah. And so have a signing period in late July, then let the coaches focus on the season a little bit more and let those players focus on their season and then have a regular signing period the first Wednesday in February, kind of the way it used to be oh. again. So
1: you would say like a, a the the early signing day would be before the season?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking you have official visits from like March through mid July, yeah, mid July, and then you have a signing period like third week of July. Um, I, I know there are coaches that that try to uh, schedule their vacation time in July, um, I, so maybe there would be some pushback there. I I just maybe maybe you could even have that early signing period, early July. So those coaches get a true vacation that month before camp starts. But um, the reason I don't like the December signing period is because you've got college programs that if you've had a successful season, you're preparing for a bowl game. game. You might be preparing for a college football playoff in the future, and um, you're having to deal with all the loose ends with recruiting. And then you look at the player side of it, if their team is doing really well in high school, their team is playing deep into the playoffs in December. So it's hard for them to get out on winter official visits. Uh, and so th- the timeline just seems a little too crunched in there. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. I just, to,
1: I think you'd have to be careful about who you signed in the early period because a lot of guys are going to blow up and develop in their senior year. And then other guys, you know, that senior year, they drop off and don't play as well, you know, so um I don't know. There's some risks either way you do it. I think, but yeah, that right, right in the middle of December kind of puts it in the middle of playoffs and bowl season, what, what have you. So that does that does create an issue, but you know, it's not an issue we've had in a long time.
0: Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm still optimistic that's going to change, though. I yeah. I'm not making uh, holiday plans w- aside from I, I really do think I'm going to be traveling around Christmas this coming year. What do you think?
1: Well, I think you know we didn't have that on our plan, but let's go there. I think it's 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 quite clear with the difference in the in the schedule, with the difference in the schedule and the and the conference that we're in. You know, we're not going to be playing as many top ranked teams, and we're we're as talented as most of the teams will play this year, and we're going to be significantly more talented. Still, remains to be seen what we do offensively and defensively with our new coordinators. But you know, man, we might be the most talented team on the field more than half of our games this year. And and there's really no reason not to, to expect or you know shoot for eight or nine wins, quite frankly.
0: I mentioned, we both mentioned that the recruiting process has become so accelerated. So on the other side of that is even though 2024 might be kind of quiet in terms of additions on the regular signing period, because uh, most of the work had already been done, uh, you're seeing a lot of traction uh, with 2025 recruiting five-star quarterback. Julian Lewis was recently on campus right. and uh, I put up some other notes on a few other 2025 recruits to keep an eye on, on buffstampede.com. So make sure you check out yeah. that we're already trying to you know tackle that coverage as best as possible. Like I said, I, I've heard that it's probably going to be about a dozen guys, uh, which would be almost double what they did from the high school ranks yeah. this year. If they, if they do that in, in 2025,
1: yeah, I would have thought they'd have had you know like maybe a little more traction with a top quarterback this year to come in one year on the campus behind Shadour, but clearly that'll be an open spot next time around. And, and I don't have the, I don't think we've got the air apparent on the campus right now. So you know it's going to be wide open. That 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 could be a little bit crazy uh yeah. quarterback recruiting for next year.
0: Yeah, they were hoping that was going to be Antoine Hill, right? He was going to be. Right reclassifying to 2024 and being Shadour's understudy this past year. And and now it doesn't even sound like, uh, you know, Colorado and, and uh, him are really looking at each other. So uh, they're going in a different direction there. I mentioned Julian Lewis. They've offered some other 2025 quarterbacks, but, right, you know, I, I think there will be impatience if this is the strategy, but you could probably get a really good transfer quarterback next year. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, know, I, I, you would think it's like you look at, look at, look at this past year and and the transfer quarterbacks and what they did with some of these teams, and and you're going to be looking at that kind of a guy with shoot-over Lehman.
0: Yeah, did you have any thoughts on the schedule release? Uh, I've I've already shared my thoughts to the point where if I say any more, I'm going to be repeating myself. But uh, I'm curious if you had any thoughts uh, w- with the 2024 schedule.
1: I mean, I guess I'm so relate. I'm so happy to not see any of these no good stinking Pac-12 places anymore. I'm I'm so sick of those teams. It just makes me want to scream, except for my boyfriend up in, uh, in Eugene. Can't wait to see him, me and hey, him. Hey, I,
0: I, I didn't steer you into that one. I can't take me, the blame this me, time. Me
1: and him got a date. He's got some dental work coming, but uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm excited to be back playing in the, in some of those teams that were that I grew up with playing and, um, like I said before, I mean, I look at that schedule and, and man, that's, that's a lot more reasonable schedule than what we had to play last year, it seems like to me. So, so I'm pretty excited about it. And, uh, I think we're going to have fun with it and, and, um, you know, play some things we haven't played in a while and go to some places we haven't played in a while and really kind of get a fresh new start at a, at a, at a really good time.
0: Matt Smith is trying to get you and I out to uh Disney world before the UCF yeah. game. <laughs> what are the odds on that happening? Uh,
1: well, I don't know. I got to talk to the wife and I got to, I got to mark that off. And, uh, is he, is he hosting? Is he buying the tickets? And
0: yeah. I think he really just wants, a, you know, a picture with you, Mickey mouse and himself, and he's going to frame that, put it by his bed. Nice.
1: Nice. Yeah. Or goofy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: No, I, I actually am going to try to head out there. I, I don't know. Can you do parts of Disney world one day? I, I mean, we got three kids. I can't really justify yeah. leaving much before probably. Uh, Thursday night, maybe get a day in out there. I don't. I'll hop on a few roller coasters and feel like I've done it. I, I don't really need to see everything. Yeah,
1: no. I mean, Disney World, you know, walk around with the kids, and um, what's the other one? Universal Studios, I think, is is depending on what you're into and what you like, is, is a lot of fun and whatever. But there's there's so many different places to go in the Orlando area. You know, with, with a month, you couldn't see everything. So you, you sort of pick a pick and choose a, a way a way to the things that, that matter most to, to, to your kids and you and, and do a half day or a day and knock it out and have fun.
0: So I would imagine based on previous stories, uh, you're not going to be making the trek to Lincoln.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a priority. No, let me just put it that way. Although, although, you know, um, our kid is going to nursing school in Omaha, so who knows, you know, maybe we can make it a, a, a on on the way sort of a thing you know and then she goes to see the kid uh, and then on the way back she bails me out of jail and we come home
0: <laughs> well i was going to say what if you were setting uh, odds on uh, you going to that game and what are the odds on you getting uh, arrested or detained on some level
1: j- well you know i'm a much more calm person than i was back in the day so you know it, it, especially if you got to go with the wife um she was actually born in nebraska so uh she claims no allegiance to the big red anymore, but uh, that that could be fun. I don't know. Her grandparents live were on a farm. She always says I got to go to my grandparents' farm, and it's you know typical Nebraska. Get off the interstate of some road and drive north. You know.
0: Before we get into our 2024 signing class picks, which is going to be fun. I'm going to share some of my picks from from previous years, and some of them are really good. Some of them are are pretty laughably bad, so we're going to have some fun with that. But On a serious note, William, since we last recorded our last show, uh, Larry Zimmer a longtime voice of the buffs also did play by play for the Broncos for a number of years and did a lot of other sporting events passed away at the age of 88. I got to know Larry a little bit, not all that well, I actually knew his wife, Bridget. I know her a little bit more. She, uh, while well, Larry would do uh, the broadcast. She'd, she'd come in the, the press box and, and watch the game with the the regular media. A lot of the time uh, with your past at, at Colorado, what would Larry Zimmer mean to you? Um, he's kind of a, you know, for the folks that were around during the glory days, you know, his voice was kind of synonymous with, with a lot of those big plays and big moments that happened in the program.
1: Yeah. Back in the day, I mean, you know, and he's sort of, uh, you know, replaced by Mark Johnson and that voice becomes more uh, recent, but um, you know, Larry Zimmer was just sort of the, the guy that was always there and, you know, through all those great times and great things that happened and, and uh, you know, through the bad times in the early eighties and what have you, you just sort of a fixture and, and became synonymous with CU football. I think, um, you know, somebody you, you'd hear the his calls nationally when things really big, exciting things happened and what have you. So, uh, that's a loss to, to the CU football community. And, um, he was a huge part of the, of the program and, and, uh, just somebody that we're going to miss.
0: Definitely rest in peace, Larry. All right, the 2024 signing class picks. And this is going to involve, unlike a lot of the times in the past, it's going to include both high school signees and transfer commits because um, it it would be hard to make our signing class picks with just high school guys. Uh, There's six that have been announced at the recording of this. There's going to be another one. So uh, let's include the transfers there as well. And the first category here is... Top offensive signee. Last year, my pick was Omarion Miller. That turned out to be pretty good. I'm looking back through the years. Some other guys that have won this award in the past, Jordan Tyson, Brendan Rice, Tim Lanotte Jr., Shea Field, Sefa Lufau, Nelson Spruce, Ryan Miller. Those are the good ones. Let me try to pick out. I one year had Jaron Mangum as my, my top offensive pick. That didn't turn out so well.
1: Yeah. Wasn't wasn't a bad pick at the time, given what you knew. I mean, he did pretty well as a freshman.
0: Yeah. Shane Dillon, he was an elite 11 guy, just never really panned out. Uh, Maurice Greer was my first ever top offensive pick back in 2005. That's when I started doing doing this. He never even made it to campus. That goes way back, huh?
1: Yeah. Holy cow. Wow.
0: But with this 2024 class, uh, I got to go chalk here, but. Are, are you do – do you have uh, a pick?
1: Yeah, what would you say? You say?
0: Uh, I'm going to go Chalk. It's going to be Jordan Seton.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, chalk, what do you mean? Is that that's his nickname?
0: The expected – you know, he's the top-rated guy in this class. Oh, you know, okay. sometimes you want to maybe think outside the box a little bit in a segment like this, but Jordan Seton is – the most college ready offensive lineman that I've ever seen coming into the program. And we've gotten some glimpses of, of the work he's putting in uh, and yeah, he's got work to do and, and he's not going to be a polished product even by the time they, they start the season. But I, I feel better about even better about him being the starting left tackle now that he's been in the program and, and you know, just seeing the work he's putting in and uh, yeah. how he's fitting in, even, you know, fitting in with that group, you know, he's, uh, Personality-wise, really, right. really adjusted quickly yeah. uh, to co- Colorado football.
1: And and I, you know, I mean, I'm going to go the same direction with a different name, and and I get I'm going to go with Tyler Johnson, who I think it could also be that left tackle, but who's also played at this level and in this conference at Houston uh, brings that size and experience. And and quite frankly, I'm, I'm you know, I feel like I could pick any one of these. Uh, you know, I almost. I could go with Justin Mayers because I think that guy's going to be a stud. You know, Khalil Benson is another offensive tackle that's played at the the, um, power five level. And and so uh, I don't know that it's an automatic that uh uh Seton wins that spot but I like that we have competition and so I'll put my marker down on Tyler Johnson um having played in this conference and and uh having the size to play tackle and 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 offensive guard um I think you wouldn't go wrong you know you know like the the the, trying to think of the name it the, the speed that a guy like Wester brings is exciting to see um you know, there's a lot of guys that that could really be something special that are coming in. But I think those if you're on offense, you gotta man, being a CU fan for the last ten years, you gotta love the offensive linemen that are coming in this year. You know, if if we can't get a finally get an offensive line this year, I don't know what to tell you.
0: I like that. You know, Tyler Johnson isn't he hasn't been as vocal on social media as yeah. as Mayers and Khalil Benson. Um so maybe he doesn't get talked about it as much as a result, but uh, no, he's, uh, you know, clearly one of the guys this off season that's expected to come in and start right away. Top defensive signee. Last year, I picked Cormani McLean. I would say maybe the jury's still out there, but um, you know, it, it does sound like he's much more comfortable net with this being his second full semester on campus. Looking back at past previous picks, Trevor Woods was my pick For top defensive signee in 2021, Christian Gonzalez in 2020, Mark Perry, 2019. So I I had a good run in there. Um, Chido Wuzier back in the day. Yeah. Chidero Uzo Daribe was a sleeper pick of mine back in the day as well. John Major in 2008. There's some other guys that didn't pan out so well. Dylan Dixon was my pick in 2022. He's no longer in the program. Uh, who else did I have in there? Michael Matthews never really panned out. No, Yuri yeah. Wright was the one. Oh boy, yeah. In 2012, <laughs> you know, just you—you yeah. you can have the the God-given gifts, but if you don't have a passion for the game, right, you're right. not going to be successful. Right, um, right. And, and He's done well in life since then, so I, yeah. I'm not trying to well, be God too harsh here,
1: yeah. And you know what? It ain't for everybody, and there's not a problem with that. You know, that yeah. this level of work and commitment is, it's gotta be, it's like the, the, you know, some of the guys I've coached over the years that went on to the next level had tremendous talent and, and the guys that really made it big in the game are the guys that need the game, you know? And, and I was, I always look at Nate Lamb it's like, he needed football, man. I, you know, I don't know how to, how to explain that or to put it in better words, but, but his need for the game Uh, it's beyond a love for the game. It was a need for the game, you know, and if you don't have that, you're not going to be successful, successful because you're not going to put in the work level to be that great, that to have that greatness, you know? So um, it's hard. And that's the hardest thing to know, you know, and, and um, that, that's I think a big part of of my pick in this category this year.
0: Who is your pick? We'll let you lead off here.
1: You say yours? Not yet. Okay. There's only one guy there's only one guy man and if you've seen him in the weight room in some of these videos and seeing what he did last year for houston it's chido Nwankwo, and that guy i don't think he can be blocked and and i think he's gonna be i don't know you know i'm trying to think of superlatives but i i think he's gonna be a guy that just blows up the middle like nothing we've seen you know i'm trying to think back and go back to joel steed almost but uh, you look at that guy, and and he's got the chip on his shoulder because everybody says he's too short and blah blah blah, and he's another one of those guys got that need for the game, um, and and just has the talent, and, and he's already done it to this level, and he's, Jesus, I, I keep saying, on, I every time I think about it, i I'm like, imagine trying to block a Volkswagen, you're not going to win very often. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's he's got the leverage advantage on pretty much uh anybody he goes up against. Hang with me uh because I like your pick there, but my top defensive addition is gonna be BJ Green. Uh and there are a few guys I kind of debated here, but I just I look at how impactful he is a pass rusher, yeah. not just sacks, yeah. but his hurries and quarterback hits. I mean, those numbers are just off the charts right. last year. And
1: and he's big enough stout enough to hold an edge on the run. And-
0: yeah. And, and it's not like teams can just focus all their attention and trying to block him. You mentioned uh, Nguyenkwo on, on the interior there, and you bring in Lola, who can play on the edge as well and is a really good pass rusher. And you bring back Arden Walker. Uh, you, you've got a lot of pieces at edge. And so I, I really like him as kind of the the top guy in that group. But – Last year, when you know, Jordan Dominic was kind of that top guy, and you know there were other guys that were transferring, uh, that were right. uh, rotating in there and had moments here and there, but there was a pretty dr- big drop off between him and those next guys, right? right? I think with some of these guys getting extra seasoning in the program, and then you bring in Lola and, and BJ Green, and it, it's going to be a group that's going to be much more consistently getting after the uh, other quarterback. But that segues me into my most underrated addition here, William, and that is Cheetozy Z. Wankwo. He's got an 87 transfer rating. I mentioned it's almost criminal. Uh, This, this, he, this is a guy that based on what he did at Houston and uh, we've seen coach prime really take him under his wing and and, uh, expects big things out of him. Uh, And he's going to be a a face of this program. You see him already featured a lot on social media. So that's, that's who I had as my most underrated signee. Uh, So I kind of fell in line with you a little bit there, but, uh, different category there
1: well and i think you know for, for mine we're going to kind of do a mirror thing here you know and and i would go back to the edge and talk about quincy Waggetts you know who who who's who any other year would be a guy would be looking at and go holy crap look at this guy right and then he kind of falls you know you look at a uh a, a, a bj taylor a, a bj green and and um uh Lola and and this guy sort of fall you know falls behind them and you think and he and he gets lost track of by people but i think he's a guy who come in and make an immediate difference on that defensive line both on the edge and some interior play too as well so uh he's a guy that stands out to me um you know if we look at the offensive side khalil benson would be one you know so that i i there there are quite a few guys. You you just go down this list of guys, and I I think um, if if we're talking underrated, you know what? Eric Brantley, Michael Welch, a running back. There's a couple of guys nobody talks about, and I think they're both going to do big things, and and soon, early. Um, So there's a lot of guys I think you could look at legitimately in this category.
0: Yeah, I think Michael Welch is clearly underrated, and I had talked so much about him being underrated during the early signing. I think for this exercise, I just wanted to talk about yeah. somebody new because yeah. we, we did talk a lot about that last year's underrated, underrated pick was Tajay McCoy. So I did oh, yeah, I did pretty well there.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think he's, I think he's the guy that everybody's forgetting about at that edge position as well. Cause he, he's just a natural born pass rusher and, you know, I think, you know, one of the questions about him will be how does he stack up on the run defense, but I think he's going to be another guy that people forgot about because of all these other names at edge.
0: There's some guys that have panned out pretty well from previous picks going back past last year. This is a real mixed bag here. You ready for this, William? These are my most underrated picks from 2022 going back to 2005. I'm just going to list off a bunch of names and a couple of these guys panned out, but not most of them starting in 2022, Xavier Smith, Jackson Anderson, Montana, Lamonius Craig, Alec Pell, Hassan Hippolyte, Dante Sparaco, Anthony Joel Meese, Steven Montez, Dylan Keeney, Michael Adkins, Donta Abron Brady Day, Cordary Clark, Devon Thornton, Rodney Stewart. That was a good one. Chris yeah. Perry, Wes Simon, and Kevin Moyd. Uh, a lot so I'm, that, I'm pretty hit or miss with this category. Yeah. If you go back a lot to of those the guys,
1: years. a lot of those guys, I don't even remember even ever hearing of.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah.
1: You know, and, and Xavier and, Smith and, and Jackson, and Dante's Morocco made... still playing out there somewhere in his 15th transfer
0: season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm proud of the the Speedy Stewart pick in there. Um it, it, I, the Montez. Yeah. I remember watching him at a summer camp and and it was like this this kid's got an NFL arm. Uh but yeah, some of those have not panned out as well. Anthony Jewel Meese is the one that I'm like, dang, like he showed a lot of promise. Yeah. And we'll, just- we won't get into the whole legal thing because I don't know all the particulars, but it didn't seem like something that should have ended a college athlete's career.
1: Yeah. I don't know, you know, you know, and there's always something else going on behind the scenes. It's hard to say. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's move along to top athlete who you got here.
1: Well, I think this is a tough one. I don't want to hear what you had to say, but I think there's, it depends on how, how we're defining an athlete in terms of just plain speed. If, 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 if we're just talking speed, then it's probably uh Western, um, if we're talking, you know, more like, uh, all the various different aspects, uh, like, uh, um, like um like like Hunter uh i don't know then maybe talking like a like a uh, um you know lost my train of thought here i said maybe a will shepherd out of vanderbilt maybe um you know maybe cameron michael or draylon miller um from the high school ranks so uh i'm having a hard time picking one i i think i think maybe cameron michael
0: okay so yeah, I also have a category most versatile, and and so they're very similar. Most versatile, I've kind of gone more with the thought process that this could be a guy that could end up playing at a multiple positions mm-hmm. on offense and defense. And uh, a good example of that is my pick last year. And my last, my most versatile last year was Adam Hopkins. He comes in as a receiver and actually played defensive back uh, this yeah. past year and could end up playing either side of the ball. It sounds like cornerback right now. Right. Um, so that's why I kind of picked him for that. And, and last year, my top athlete was Dylan Edwards and it, it went down to that just next level speed. And so right. it, it, they're very similar in that regard. Um, and so we can kind of do them together. My top athlete was LeJonte Wester, yeah, uh, a guy that, what was the there was a description of him something about how his ankles are like rubber made of rubber and, and that he can juke guys out and, and still maintain his acceleration and that's why he was an all-american kickoff returner and a yeah. guy that you know they they had some moments on special teams last year but that that's an area that they definitely needed needed to shore up even yeah. beyond just the kickoffs and so I think he gives you. He's going to make a player two in the return game that's going to change momentum in football games this year.
1: And he he was on that list. I don't know if you saw that uh, yesterday. I think the list of top 20 is fastest players in college football this year. He he and he and um, Dylan Edwards were both on that list. You know, and yeah. so That 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 kind of speed is obvious as pure athleticism. You know, and and just game breaking kind of craziness. So. Yeah, that's exciting to see back, you know, have those kinds of guys back in this program that we used to have all the time. You know, it's like our, and our your
0: pick for top athlete was Cam Michael. Is that? Correct? Well, I don't know, I guess Cause that, that was my most versatile because this is yeah. a guy that was a quarterback, running back, defensive back in college. Yeah. I think he might be best suited at running back, but he says he's going to yeah. play receiver right away. But he Damn. could end up at a lot of different spots.
1: Well, yeah let me let me pick him for the versatile thing because I'm not a yeah like again, I'm not hundred percent sure where he'll play but but I would have to join you with wester for the for the uh best athlete.
0: cool. and uh we will go back beyond on both these categories for for newer bus fans this doesn't mean a whole lot, but I think people that have been following the program for a while get a kick out of uh how poor some of my previous picks were. Well
1: uh, you know but but look at the quality of the recruiting too you know I mean yeah, right it's not yeah. entirely your fault it's like you got to do the best you can and make a not to call anybody a sales here, make a soak purse out of a sales here, but uh you know some of the guys we had to work with were not top quality.
0: Yeah. Yeah a lot of these guys didn't pan out. I had in 2022 and going back from there Victor Venn, Ty Robinson, Ashad Clayton, Lavo Levante Chenault, Dion wait, wait, Smith. wait,
1: wait! Did you say a shot three Heisman's Clayton?
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, I I don't hide from from really bad picks that I've had in the future. Now I've nailed a lot of these, but uh, again, you gotta like you gotta have more than just the the God given ability, and he did not yeah, have that. Right, but right. you don't really know that until they're tested, right? right. If he was superb, just unbelievable late in his senior year of high school i mean he was unstoppable
1: yeah. and there's no high school in the country that really you know works the way you do at this level so you don't know until they get here and do it
0: do do you remember uh so Mitch Rodri comes in as yeah. o line coach and he never loved to cook and that's awesome he would cook jambalaya and yeah. you know gumbo and uh he gave Ashad Clayton uh a serving of it and he never yeah. brought the the, the bowl, bowl back, back. And he would not let that go.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I guess he got even selling all of his uh, triple jumbo size buff gear online. So,
0: <laughs> all right, we're going to keep rolling down these names. Deion Smith, that was a good pick back in 2018. Yeah. Katie Nixon, pretty solid in 17. Ronnie Blackman in 2016. I had Patrick Carr, Lee Walker, Devin Ross, Gerald Thomas, Rashad Hall, Donnie yeah. Duncan, Andre Simmons, Rodney Stewart. Marquis Seamus, man, wow. that guy had a lot of talent. Yeah. Sherman Lang and Gardner McKay. So I, I've botched this award a few times as well. But, the, you know, part of this is a lot of these guys have been like track guys. And it does add to the point of, you know, just because you're a track star, uh, it's not going to always right. translate to the football field. And, and to your point of, you know, they weren't pulling in top 25 classes yeah. like they are with Coach Prime now. So right. it's a little right. different. Any of those names uh, bring up any memories for you beyond?
1: Yeah. yeah. Michelle well, not, ha- not happy ones. I mean, I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're
1: not going to throw out a lot of names from the last 20, 15 years and, and go, hey, thank God bless America we got that guy.
0: Holy cow, bro, did that work out? Devin Ross in there, he was a guy that he had issues with drops from time to time. but Issues? He kind of hung around time time. in NFL practice squads for a long yeah. time, played – uh uh overseas i think a little bit too i i don't even think he's hung them up officially and he was a 2013 yeah. well when you can run like that you're going
1: to get a lot of chances you know and everybody thinks they could teach you to catch a football but i don't know at the end of the day you are what you are yeah. that kind of speed is going to get you a lot of op-
0: opportunities oh boy most versatile doesn't look a whole lot better. Last year, again, hey, you you give me top 25 classes. I right. can make a good list here. Adam Hopkins, very versatile. That fits the mold here. Yeah. Uh, beyond Before that, oh, boy. Okay. A couple of these are, are fine, but this is pretty rough. Okay. 2022 was Oki Salovea. Before that, Nico Reed, yeah. good player. Yeah. Chris Carpenter, Trustin Oliver, Dimitri Stanley, good player. Chris Miller, Trey Yudofa. Nick Fisher, Donovan Lee, Kenneth Olobode. That was a good pick.
1: Well, yeah, there's some good ones in there.
0: Marcus Mosley, Kyle Washington, Harold Mobley, Josh Moten, Ray Polk, Anthony Wright, Nate Solder. Look at that. Look at that's that.
1: Yeah, pick. there you go. Six. And
0: Ryder Gear in 05. I I had, yeah, some yeah, really good bad. picks. One of those some are really one those bad ones.
1: Fairly really good. Didn't Ryder Gear, you know, spend a little time at the next level?
0: He led uh, the team in receiving his redshirt freshman year as a tight end, and yeah, yeah, had a good career. Anthony Wright had to medically retire. Harold Mobley uh, called the teacher a name that you can't call a teacher <laughs> that name, and he wasn't in the program any longer. Uh, Nick Fisher was—he had a really fun moment in that 2016 yeah. season. Yeah. Do you remember the week where? Yeah, playing Washington. Uh, it was State. was it Mueller. It was some guys got injured in front of him, and he got thrust into the nickelback yeah. role. And yeah, he made yeah. a play on fourth down that basically won the game for him. Yeah,
1: I, I, it was it was it was uh, uh, Washington State game, and it was home game. And I was standing next to his parents when he did it. We were, we, That's awesome.
0: Yeah, what was their reaction?
1: Oh, we were hugging and jumping up and down, and it was exciting because he had actually it wasn't just that play. He had a pretty good game that week, and and it was just exciting. I don't know how I wound up you know, sitting there uh, with his folks. But, uh, you know, they all sit in that same section and they were at the very back row of that section, right, where the walkway was that particular year. And I don't know why I wound up there, but that uh, was a lot of fun.
0: I will I'll stand up for my pick of Chris Miller in 2017. I think had injuries not, yeah. you know, time after time sidelined him, right. he would have been a really, really – Good buff and and a guy that folks would have remembered for a long time, but, man, he could just could not stay on the field. All right, our next category is, it used to be titled Most Ready to Make an Impact, and that was when it was with high school guys. I think probably now rephrase it to Ready to Make the Biggest Impact.
1: Yeah, and and I'm also thinking you just leave it for the high school guys, but uh, because every one of those transfers is presumably a guy that you expect to make an impact.
0: Yeah. You know, but I had Will Shepard here just because of what he did in the SEC, and I know he's not getting on campus until this summer. But uh, his body of work at Vanderbilt, and uh, I think he's going to be bring a lot of what Zay Weaver did to the table this past year. So I, and, and he's going to be a visible visible part of this program. A guy that's making a lot of plays, uh, part of a lot of highlights that uh, you know are getting people to tune into to Colorado games. Do you have a a different guy here?
1: Well, I mean, I kind of just applied it to because uh, a lot of the a lot of the guys, you know it's almost the same um, sort of criteria really as we talked about the top signee and the most underrated and whatever, and sort of who's gonna make the biggest impact. but uh, so i I kind of applied it to the to the six high school guys and, and I think that's a good spot to stick in Jordan Seton, you know um, as most ready to make an impact. Uh, in sort of an unexpected way, as a as a true freshman at a, at a position where freshmen don't play a lot, it's yeah. who I would go with.
0: You're never going to guess who I picked last year.
1: For most, most uh, ready to make an impact.
0: Yeah. Now this was only with high school and JUCO signees last year because I we didn't do the transfers yet. I had Jack Wilty as my pick there. So.
1: Well, I do with that, do with that part- as you wish. Started the first game and played really well. And then the dumb son bitch didn't play him anymore. I don't know what to tell you about that one. Probably not. Let's, so then, uh, nice weather we're having. What's the next category?
0: <laughs> Let's go back through the years with my most ready-to-make-an-impact. Uh, again, these are all high school guys from 2022 dating back from there. Ashton Logan, Tristan Oliver, Guy Thomas, Faatofu Saaveo, Darian Jones, Javier Edwards, Jawan Winfrey, Alex Kinney, Akella Witherspoon, Bryce Bobo, Kisma Jagney. Man, I have not thought about that name in many Jesus,
1: years. Did any of these guys ever actually play and put on <laughs> a CU uniform?
0: Will Oliver, Tony Jones, Edward Knuckles, Sean Moeller, P.T. Gates. holy hell. Wow. P. Jimmy T. Smith <laughs> and George Hippolyte. So, again, I just... Uh, <laughs> Some Ed, great picks Ed, in there and some guys that just never even really did anything.
1: Ed, Ed knuckles. I can still remember because he was like a four or five star, and the guy looked like he was 35, 40 years yeah. old for Christ's sakes, man. He was like six five, three twenty. And my god, he just looked like he he just looked like he was about to turn 40. And and I don't know, it was academics or something? I don't know that he ever actually put on a CU uniform.
0: The first pick that I ever had there back in 05, George Hippolyte. One of my favorite buffs yeah. of all time, not only because of, of his personality, w- yeah. which is a great personality, one of the best interviews we've ever had on the CU Beat, and he's a lawyer now. Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, but he, he would fish. talk back to Dan Hawkins, and there were open practices back then. That was really entertaining. I I really respect him for uh sniffing out the fact that his head coach was kind of – I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he would talk back to the, to Dan Hawkins. And like, I like
1: what? like what kind of things?
0: Well w- – one day, so fights were not allowed in practice with Dan Hawkins. Yeah, even even a, a small scuffle would result in them stopping practice, having the whole team go over, and they would have to run 15 gassers. And Dan Hawkins' theory on that is it was one gasser for every yard you cost us in the game. And it's okay. it's a penalty for all of us if you get in a fight. So George Hippolyte just refused to to, to run. He's like, I was in the right. I'm not going to do it. And so they, they <laughs> and he, got into. And he's, a law-
1: and he's a lawyer now. You say, what are the odds? <laughs> Defense lawyer, I'm sure. Right? Oh yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> if I see him in court, I'm going to give him a hard time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is uh, sharp as a tack. You know, it, it's funny too because one of the years he was at CU, and I'm sure you remember this, William, is they had the South Park characters. Introduced the starting lineup yeah, for a Colorado yeah, right. game. It was yeah. a home game against Nebraska. And when they went to the defense, I for, was it Cartman? What, I yeah, forget what yeah, character yeah, it was. Yeah, he said, sure, yeah. and on the defensive line, starting is George the Rabid Goldfish Hippolyte.
1: Yeah. And it's stuck.
0: And so we went up to George afterwards and we're like, is that a nickname we're just not aware of? And he goes, I have no idea. It was just completely made up by the writers. And uh, it did stick. And what was it Tyler Ziskin that that made t? No, it was somebody else that made t-shirts. Rabbit yeah, Goldfish rabid t-shirt. Goldfish. I got I got a I got a, uh, a shirt. It, 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 I think I used to do yard work with my Rabbit Goldfish rabid t-shirt Gold. on. <laughs> yeah,
1: that'd be great for NIL era. But yeah, that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. All right. What do we have left here? Biggest surprise. Last year was Jaden Milliner Jones. He was committed to SMU until Colorado made a late run at him and. That ended up being a really nice late addition for Colorado because he played quite a bit as a true freshman and seems to have a really bright future, some versatility he adds to the secondary. So I like that pick. This year, there's a pretty obvious pick. Uh, I'll let you lead off if you wanted to.
1: Well, I mean, it's uh, and I guess it depends on how how would you define the category? Biggest surprise to pick us or biggest? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be the B.J. Green or George Seaton, right?
0: It's got to be Seaton because yeah. even though this was kind of the plan and the works behind the scenes, he did not include Colorado amongst his list of finalists. Yeah. So I don't know. There really haven't been bigger surprises in Colorado football recruiting history than that. You know, and the way yeah. that was orchestrated, and then yeah, and then, you had the extra drama during the early signing period,
1: and all all the people that uh, probably had hair and now look like us as a result. So I think he was just having fun with it the whole time, all the whole time. But uh yeah, the, that seems pretty obvious.
0: Yeah. Daryl Scott was one of the guys back in 0- 08 that won that award in the past. Not many of these guys are even worth mentioning. Davion Taylor was an interesting one in 2018. He was really under the radar. Yeah. And we came to find out later that, because of religious reasons he was not allowed to play high school football and so he was right, super right. talented uh he just didn't get a chance to to showcase himself till he yep. got to the JUCO level and you know Colorado was the first school that was in on him they saw that potential real early right. on and he ended up uh, I think he's still hanging around the NFL he was with drafted by the Eagles and had a really nice career Terrence Lang is another one to mention there in 2017 he was committed to USC and he right. flipped late in the process Jay McIntyre was my pick in 2014. I don't know. I mean, that wow. must have been just because he didn't announce until signing day, but yeah. And Tedrick Thompson, 2013, folks expected him to follow his brother to Minnesota. And he ended up uh was a big right. piece of that Mike McIntyre class that that really turned things around in Boulder. All right. And then lastly, best story. And then you can interpret this however you want. Right. Right. Last year, my best story pick was Kofi Taylor Barracks. I love the story of how, you know, growing up in England, he caught right. so much flack for, because he just loved football and everybody's telling him that he's needs to play soccer. And uh, he went out of his way. He traveled overseas and went to camps across the United States to get those scholarship offers and was in NFL Academy. And that shut down to co- due to COVID. He had many reasons to stop playing football or he, to never even start. And he just kept, uh, kept going. And hopefully he he's a guy that uh, as uh, Andre Hart, the linebackers coach says, he's kind of an incubator right now. Hopefully uh, at the very least he should be a a really good special teams guy for them.
1: Right. For sure. Certainly, certainly has got the size and the athleticism to do that. So I'm not sure I'm, I'm kind of looking down the list. I'm not sure that anybody stands out to me. Did you have one this year?
0: Yeah, I, I like Justin Mayer's story quite a bit because he was a true under the radar high school recruit, two star. You know there aren't a lot of two stars out there. It seems like they slap three stars on on most guys, and so he was a true under the radar guy. Put in his work, and you know, at UTEP he just wasn't on the radar of, of college football fans. And so I think coming into Colorado, we, we've seen his personality. Uh, really stand out in that locker room in the weight room and is going to be one of the, the key leaders I think on this football team, when you, you pair a Justin Mayers with a Tyler Brown and a Khalil Benson, you've got a lot of personality, a lot of maturity right. in that room. And so I like his story of, of I really think Justin Mayers is going to end up being drafted next year. And so to, to come from yeah. that start of a two-star guy, at UTEP and then to bet on himself, come to Colorado uh, and so I, I like that story. That that would probably be my pick this year.
1: Yeah, that's exciting too. And, and I and I think you're right. And that people think people probably immediately think an offensive lineman get drafted from CU. Well, you know, some of these guys we're bringing in are a whole different breed um, than than what we've had before. You know, but um, I'm I'm looking looking down a list and like some of the, like some of these guys like like a um, you know Preston Hodge or even Lejante Wester. You know, came out of nowhere. Were not ranked out of high school, and then a lot, there's so many schools in Florida, you know, like, like, uh, um, Wester was at Florida, Florida Atlantic. Right. And then, um, uh, Hodge was at, uh, well, he went to Liberty, I think, but, um, you know, some of these guys coming out of nowhere and and making a name for themselves and and showing up Mm -hmm. are are a good story. And then I I think, um, uh, trying to make sure I get the right guy here. One guy I would, I would nominate for best story is because of his mom. (laughs) um uh
0: Khalil benson yes right
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> who, who, uh, who she seems like a lot of fun and i just did that long interview and uh um so that that's a lot of fun to me you know
0: yeah there's been some some fun stories as i'm looking over this list in 2022 i had isaac curtado i love the story of how Colorado was trying to offer him a scholarship, but he was like in his shift at target and he wouldn't leave it to, to, to take the phone call. So they had to wait until later in the day. Nice. Cause he was just this hardworking kid. Yeah. Um, who else do I have on here? 2019 Valentin Sen. He was from Austria. Right. A cool story. 2018 Davian Taylor. I just talked about, we just talked right. about him. Um, 2017 James Stefano. Um, what, how old was he when his career at Colorado? Oh ended? my God. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He's getting close authority, wasn't he? Such a great personality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who else do I have on here? Phillip Lindsay in 2013, obvious. Yeah, that was a great one. Right. I mean, he jacked up his knee and, and there was a coaching change and he didn't know if he's going to be, 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 be able to walk, fulfill yeah. his dream of going to play at CU. But Mike McIntyre staff honored that commitment and he got it worked out. Chidero Uzo-Durribe in 2010 was a good story. He was uh, late to playing organized football he came out to boulder the summer between his junior and senior year and they did full contact camps back then and no one knew who this young man was because he didn't play high school football his junior year uh, by the end of that three day or two or three day ultra contact camp he got a scholarship from colorado uh, became a priority and he got other offers later on As he played that senior season, but he stayed loyal to Colorado. And now he's one of the the top defensive assistants in college football.
1: Right, down in Georgia. Who who was the big outside linebacker that played with um, Nate Landman um, from Florida? Uh, Starting outside linebacker was our leading sacker there for a couple years. Derek McCartney? No, no, no. no. White kid um, from down in Florida. Had the same similar sort of story. Came up to see camp and was the fastest guy in the camp.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Carson Wells. Carson Wells, yeah, yeah.
1: Came up and was the fastest guy in camp. And I remember, you know, one of the first things I ever saw from him was was him jumping from the ground up onto the side of the bed of a uh, of a full size pickup. I'm like, oh yeah, no, who can who can do that? <laughs> that was a good story. Yeah, that's yeah. another one. You know, and people said, uh, you know, whoever heard of Carson Wells? But the guy came out here and just. Was a flat-out crazy athlete you know he, he's been a guy that in that class certainly was the best athlete um so lots of those kinds of stories of guys that did that, that didn't get that kind of and I, and I think a lot of those guys are gonna in in today's era with the open transfer portal and such you're going to see a lot more of those kinds of guys like Justin Mayer and, and who, who kind of got missed and then came out and, and were really good in the game and and get better opportunities
0: my best story back in 09 was Parker Orems, and it's still a, a, a kind of a cool story. I don't know if you followed this, William, but he's got a, a hat store now. He sells cowboy hats, custom oh, wow. cowboy hats, and um, actually Coach Prime's oldest daughter came out and got fitted for a hat for one of the home games this year, and they did a, a video series on YouTube oh, wow. with that. It was really wow. cool, and I've run into Parker at a bunch of uh, charity events. He's definitely a big-time CU fan, and he was a guy – he was – just smaller in in right. uh when he was at Wheat Ridge High School, he was just incredible, but you didn't know if he was that next level athlete. And so it wasn't until the state championship game when he took that touchdown run on fourth down to win the championship right. that Colorado extended the offer. Um and it's it's unfortunate for him that he tore his ACL four plays into his college career because he, he was a really good buff and he played in a lot of games, but I think he would have been A really really good player if it wasn't for that injury yeah for sure in 07 I had Anthony Perkins as my best story and this is mostly because before he committed to Colorado during spring ball and this is back during the Dan Hawkins era there was a major blizzard and I remember BG Brooks was the only other writer that day that was willing to brave this snowstorm to cover this practice and we're seeing it out there in as many layers as we own in our our closet and there's this high school kid over here watching it, and they—I remember that practice was so crazy. They 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 stopped it at one point to do a sliding competition because they just weren't getting enough done on the right. football aspect of it. This is uh, before the bubble was up and pre right. all that indoor practice facility and all that stuff. And I introduced myself to the young man, and it was Anthony Perkins. And I went home and did research on him, and he had a Colorado offer. And I just remember thinking there's no chance he's going anywhere else. This kid was out here in a blizzard yeah. watching this football team right. practice. He's definitely going to be a buff.
1: Yeah, those are those are great stories. Lots of things like that back, you know, I have to think about it, but, you know, back in the late 80s and early 90s, you had stories like that with some of those guys that end up later on being superstars, you know. Yeah. Kind of coming in and being nobodies at the first so
0: cool, William. Well, there's again not going to be a ton of fireworks during the regular signing period. But uh, if you need, if if that's making you down, you just kind of have to look back through some of the guys they've already added this off season. Right. You yeah, know, I did right. again. The the work has kind of been done already, and then there's going to be another stretch in spring. It's just the calendars change. It's no longer uh, as big a deal as it used to be.
1: Right. And the standard signing day is just not that big of a deal anymore. If you, you know, pretty much, if you know, you're just looking for under the radar kind of guys, I guess, really, that have that you know, you're just not going to see big surprises on this day anymore. I don't think.
0: Yeah. William, it was fun to to recap everything that's been going on. I appreciate you as always.
1: For sure. Uh, I guess we're going to dinner on Thursday night yeah and, uh,
0: we probably don't want to give out the details like i said on the last show we don't want paparazzi showing right, up
1: showing up you know and and trying to get try, dan lanning trying to get my autograph things like that you know
0: <laughs> no that that will be fun to to recap on, on the next show uh, yeah we're getting the sure. vibes together and we'll, we'll have a nice uh mexican meal and uh we'll uh we'll recap it on the next show
1: everybody watch the newswire the next morning make sure you you know, nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. All right, William, appreciate you. And I appreciate right. everybody out there okay. for tuning in.